The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Hey, it's Monday at 2.07. We're back together again after a week apart. We'll tell you all about it a little later on the show. Lots to get to yes, from the news over the weekend. As time permits, you want to talk about a busy weekend. We put ourselves Boy. to work for this show. we got a full and packed show for you. We'll have Todd Hirsch uh, at 3.30. Uh, we're going to be talking about suicides and as a result of those two celebrity suicides. Uh, we'll be talking with Kimberly Null, registered psychologist at Monumentum Mon- Walk-In <laughs> Counseling. I also have a horrible cold. Momentum? That I'm, momentum. <laughs> this is a little, little... I'm drugged up. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so this was the day to do that. We're going to check in with... Uh, as well, Albert Camps. He's the uh, Alberta Milk Vice Chairman because, of course, uh, President Trump has said that these tariffs uh, all started as a result of our unfair trade practices with milk. So we'll get well, more information on that. In just a few hours, 7 p.m. our time, U.S. President Donald Trump and North Korea's Kim Jong-un will meet face-to-face in Singapore. It will be the first time a sitting U.S. president has sat down with a North Korean leader. Trump and his team have been front and center over the past couple of days with the lead up to this summit and of course the attacks on Prime Minister Justin Trudeau focused on Canada's response to tariffs imposed by the Trump administration. With a closer look we're joined by the very capable hands of Dr. Dwayne Brad. I always say I can never get in trouble when I'm in Dwayne's hands. A political <laughs> scientist and the chair of the Department of Economics, Justice and Policy Studies at Mount Royal University. Hi Dwayne, thanks for joining hey, us. Good today. afternoon guys. Always great to hear your voice. So I don't even know where to begin well, or if there's enough time. Yeah. Dwayne, where do we begin? Let's well, start with North Korea. Sure. Um, your thoughts going into, um, you know, as, as these two are going into this summit in just a few hours' time. A year ago, they were taking pot shots at each other and calling each other names, and now they're sitting down face-to-face. What do you think? Well, face-to-face is always better than threatening nuclear annihilation, which was going on, <laughs> you know, several months ago. So that's a positive thing. But the summit is doing everything in reverse. Typically, a summit of this magnitude, uh, of something as important as denuclearization of the the Korean Peninsula, starts with um, low-level meetings, lots of preparation, more medium-level meetings, high-level meetings, and then finally the principals and the leaders of the country get together to, to wrap it all up. In this case, they're starting with the leaders and then working on the details after the fact. So already they have shortened the time of the summit. Mm-hmm. Um, that tells me that there's not a lot of substantive discussion that's going on. The biggest thing is, is a photo opportunity. Yeah. And that's a huge victory for Kim Jong-un because he's going to be treated as an equal to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, this, this murderous dictator of a rogue state that's starving its own people to develop nuclear warheads is going to be treated the same as, as a U.S. president, um, and which is why previous presidents have refused to, to meet. Um, so I just hope nothing worse can happen from this. If all it is is a big symbolic victory for, for North Korea and nothing on the other side, that's not 
the worst possible outcome that can happen here. That, that's an but interesting, it shows that, that Trump is getting played here. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. You actually, in one brief answer, made me feel better about the safety of the world tomorrow because uh, it is obviously a victory uh, for the North Korean leader. Is it not also a victory, or at least in his own eyes, a victory for President Trump that he's the first president to be able to facilitate a meeting like this? Oh, he's, he's going to claim victory. Uh, he was claiming victory before the summit even happened. He was claiming victory before the summit got canceled. Then he claimed victory when the summit got rescheduled and, and went ahead. So we know he's going to claim victory. But the question is, what did he get for this? Mm-hmm. We know what Kim Jong-un has got. Um, so is this the dismantlement of the nuclear weapons test sites. We've seen photos of that. We've seen video of that. They invited journalists. But there's mixed evidence about how much damage was actually done to them. Um, So seismic experts say the explosions weren't big enough to destroy the tunnels, that it looked really impressive, but the infrastructure of the nuclear program is is still there. Um, So we really don't know where the North Koreans stand on this. and, and what Trump has got for personally meeting with, with Kim Jong-un. But, Dwayne, isn't North Korea only at the table, or isn't North Korea only able to get President Trump at this table because they are a nuclear power now? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and so that that's the question. But some of the comments of the Trump administration, uh, including John Bolton, who was involved in North Korean negotiations when he was part of George H or George W. Bush's administration in 2005, 2006, they've said things like, you know, we we don't want to see. Um, them acquire nuclear weapons, but the North Koreans have had them since 2006. Uh, what has escalated has been the, the magnitude of the test. So every one of those tests has been bigger and bigger. And then the testing of, of missiles. Now, this idea that they can hit mainland North America, uh, that's still out of reach of the North Koreans, but they have exceeded expectations uh, continuously. I mean, this is a pretty backward, poor country, but has been able to develop a nuclear infrastructure. So don't you think it's very hard to believe that he would give up any of this, oh, considering absolutely. how hard he's yeah. worked for it? No, I, I don't. I, I don't see him giving these up. Uh, I think he can promise to stop testing, mm. and that would be a positive step. Um, he, but to, to roll it back... He's not just concerned about the survival of of North Korea. He's concerned about the survival of the Kim regime Mm -hmm. in North Korea. And this is his defense, which is why when when John Bolton and Mike Pence started to talk about the Libya case, that scared the hell out of Kim Jong-un. Because in Libya, the Bush administration convinced Libya to stop its nuclear weapons program. And it did. And then several years later, uh, Gaddafi gets overthrown and gets killed. So uh, when they reference Libya, that's what Kim Jong-un hears. Hmm. Did you say at the beginning of one of your answers that you believe that Trump was getting played here? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that is Kim has, uh, they have made this request to meet with an American president many times. um, And they've always refused it. But I think Trump thought, well, no other president has met him, met him, so I'm going to 
you'll be the first one not realizing that the others had all rejected that offer for very good reason. <laughs> um, Kim Jong-un gets the big win just by that photo op. If that's the only thing that occurs this weekend or, or tomorrow, and I think it will, uh, and some promise about a long-term strategy, which I, which I don't believe, um, then Kim has won. And uh, I, I think he is playing Trump. Hmm. So other than beyond just that photo opportunity, we know that the uh, the leader likes those photos. They both do, actually, well, like those photo opportunities. They both do. They're yeah. massive Richard egos right there. Have, you, you, so think of all of the pictures that you saw this past weekend in Quebec yeah. Mm, yeah. With, with Trump. He's going to be smiling as big a smile as you can have in Singapore. Much bigger than than the the frowns and the in the angry body language that you saw in Quebec. So uh, the end game, if there were one, legitimately for the United States, would be for North Korea to denuclearize. Uh, right. Um, what's the end game for North Korea? I think they want to be considered as a nuclear power, um, and if this can lead, also, I think, longer term. Uh, the removal of the American nuclear umbrella over South Korea and over Japan, possibly even the removal of American troops uh, from South Korea and from Japan, those would be even bigger wins uh, for the North Koreans. So one of the things that might be on the table is the formal ending of the Korean War. After all, the Korean War ended in 1952, mm -hmm. but there was no peace treaty. It's simply been an armistice that's lasted, you know, for 65 years. And so if they negotiate that, maybe they go to the Americans, well, if the war is over, why do you still have tens of thousands of troops in South Korea? Hmm. And this is why the South Koreans are very concerned. Uh, either way, they were concerned about the the overheated rhetoric of Little Rocket Man, you know, and nuclear buttons. Uh, I think they're just as concerned uh, if a deal emerges and American troops pull out of South Korea. Well, you know, wouldn't the other downfall be that these two leaders just don't get along? I mean, <laughs> you know, they traded those barbs a while ago, um, little rocket man and whatever, whatever. I mean, isn't there the potential here? I, 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 I don't is, want our listeners not to potential. be able to sleep tonight. I don't think either of them are going to do that. They, both of them have invested too much into this meeting. I mean, Kim Jong-un very rarely leaves this country. Mm -hmm. And in the negotiations around the logistics, uh, there was concern about how he would get to Singapore. Uh, because um, the North Korean <laughs> uh, planes can't, can't travel that far and concerns about being away for too long. Anytime you're a dictator and you leave the country, <laughs> that's an opportunity for, for a coup. And then finally he was worried about having to pay for these presidential suites <laughs> in the summit. And um, the stories have been that the Americans are trying to find a way to, to pay that for him. Well, wow. all right, uh, let's switch gears a little bit here. You were talking about Little Rocket Man, that sort of thing. It looks like Trump has now um, made uh, Trudeau his uh, latest Twitter target. Uh, your thoughts on what happened with the attacks on... It's uh, surprising uh, that Trudeau it's taken this long. Really, eh? <laughs> you know, to, to go after Trump by name. Um, and I think part of that is, for the most part, I think Trudeau has dealt with Trump the best that a leader could, you know, and he has, he's been firm in some areas, but he's never gone after Trump. He's never said anything. He's, he's done charm with him. Um, but that only takes you so far. 
And this weekend, uh, everything just collapsed. So I had speculated whether Trump would have even gone to the G7 because he had instituted these steel and aluminum tariffs, and then it backed away under pressure. But then he reimposed them, claiming national security at Canada, at the EU, uh, at Mexico. And that was not just a policy difference. Canadians rightly felt that that was insulting to be considered a national security risk to the the United States. And so Trudeau said that. Um, Trump does go to the G7, but he leaves early. He gives a press conference before he goes where he, he again criticizes the Europeans and the Canadians and the, and the Japanese and says, um, you know, they've, they've, uh, the Americans have been stuck with these horrible trade deals for decades and they're no longer going to be the piggy bank of the world. And then he gets on an airplane and, and leaves uh, to go to, to Singapore. Trudeau responds, both as G7 host and as Prime Minister uh, of Canada, gives a press conference where he simply reiterates the same thing he'd been saying before. The Canada was going to retaliate in proportion to these steel and aluminum tariffs. The Canada may be reasonable, may be polite, but they're not going to be pushed around. It was a pretty nuanced, mm. not over the top. It was almost, you know, I'm sorry we have to do this type of approach. And Trump just goes crazy. He, he sends off a bunch of angry tweets uh, while he's over the Pacific Ocean. And, but more significantly, Sunday morning, he sends out two of his yeah. economic advisors, one on Fox News, one on CNN, and their rhetoric is even worse than Trump's, if, if that's possible. You know, bad faith Justin stabbed us in the back. You can't trust him. Sophomoric politician. Um, it, Special just, place just down in the hell. Lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of that, and I don't know that you would either. Dwayne. It just doesn't make sense. Well, it's, it was coordinated. It was obviously coordinated. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't one advisor going rogue. There was two of them on two different networks How does that benefit hours Trump? after Trump's tweets. How, how does that benefit the president? Um, if you don't know the background, mm-hmm. the fact that you know, uh, so they're fixated on on dairy. dairy. Uh, you know, but there's huge agricultural subsidies in the United States, particularly on tobacco or sugar, and even in the dairy side, that could have been negotiated. We we made a settlement in CETA around dairy, where we gave greater access to the Europeans and compensated our farmers. We've done the same thing in the TPP. That could have been negotiated, except it wasn't about negotiations. If it wasn't supply management, it would have been something else. So I think it, 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 there's two options. Either Trump is trying to show that he's a fighter, you know, and if you didn't see the original press conference with Trudeau, all you're seeing is the reaction. You would have thought that, that Trudeau had just gone off the wall but the other, and this was coming out of the White House today, that they believe that, that chaos and confusion and uncertainty in the world benefits the United States. Hmm. I don't know how it benefits anybody when you spend more time criticizing your closest democratic, economic, security allies to race to meet a murderous dictator. Uh, well, and praise Putin in the process. Yeah, it's all just almost incomprehensible. The dairy one's an interesting one, and we're going to talk uh, in a moment with um, 
Albert Camps from Alberta Milk. Uh, he's the vice chairman there. But it's just an interesting one. And I wondered if he, if, if President Trump picked it by accident or just picked it because of the number, uh, the 270% tariff. But it's, there, up, it's, it's up to. Up <laughs> right? to, yes. There's so much nuance in that about how much uh, access they have before it climbs to 270. Right. This actually started, Trump started talking about supply management when he was in... Wisconsin, because Wisconsin's a milk state, right? And I think a bunch of milk farmers got him, and it has remained in his head. And he's been talking nonstop about this ever since. So you You're think that he legitimately about... is concerned about dairy as opposed no. to... Because no, here's what I think, Dwayne. Tell me, tell me I'm crazy. Here's what I think. I think he picked one that has a big number associated with it that's hard to explain because you have heavily subsidized agriculture south of the border and you have regulated pricing north of the border. It's literally apples and oranges. Absolutely it is, yeah. So it's hard to sort of explain other than to see in a tweet or a meme, Canada charges 270% on dairy, and you go, no, that's not how it works. It, it, I, I feel like he's either crazy or crazy like a fox. I, I would go more on the first one. Um, but it, because he keeps, he, he doesn't think that services count, which is surprising for someone who has all sorts of licensing deals around the world where he doesn't build hotels anymore. He just sells his name. Right. That's a service. Yep. So he excludes all services. So if you just focus on manufactured goods, Canada does have a small trade surplus. You bring in services, we have a small trade deficit. Either way, it's pretty balanced trade between Canada and the United States when you consider it's a billion and a half dollars a day that crosses the border. right? The, the amount of trade distortion that milk has is absolutely insignificant. It's, it's, I think it's like $600 million is the total trade in dairy. Yeah. Something so basically a morning's worth of trade in a year. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What about the possibility of auto tariffs and what it would do to this country? You know, that that is more significant, is auto tariffs. Except the, the we don't have a Canadian auto industry or an American auto industry or a Mexican auto it's industry. They are so integrated that... <laughs> you would be hurting yourself. And, and on tariffs, let's be clear, a tariff is a tax on your own people, mm-hmm. right? When we put a tariff on, it artificially raises the price of goods. So, you know, our supply management is why our milk and dairy cheese is more expensive than in the, the United States. Uh, it's the same reason that sugar is more expensive in, in the United States. So a tariff is a tax on yourself. Um, and unfortunately, that's where we're going. Uh, this is going to get, I think, worse before it gets better. Well, the milks are certainly an interesting one. And as you say, the automotive uh, oh, yeah. far more significant. Yeah. Uh, it's been an interesting time in politics over the weekend. And in some ways, I welcome it. Usually, typically, summer, you're like, hey, can we show the squirrel <laughs> Water surfing? skiing again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, some days I... I pray for the squirrel days. Oh, I can't even imagine. Uh, Dr. Dwayne Brad joining us this afternoon. Dwayne, always a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. Okay, talk to you guys Take later. Take care. You there you go. So it's 2.26 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. Uh, we're going to take a break here mm-hmm. for the 2.30 newscast on the other side. Uh, we're going to try and, 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 and uh, figure out the 
the dairy issue. Well, apparently that's ground zero, mm-hmm. according to President Trump's tweets, that it was as a result of that dairy tariff. And as Dwayne uh, just mentioned, that you know tariffs are paid by the citizens in order to protect industry, typically. Uh, I'd be surpri- I'm surprised, honestly, that uh, drywall didn't come up, because that was another one that was heavily... Uh, tariffed, if you'll recall, mm-hmm. but that tariff was rescinded after the Fort McMurray fires because people needed, needed drywall, right? Yeah. But the reason it was there in the first place is that Americans were dumping uh, drywall into our marketplace at 50% what they sell it for in their own marketplace, and you can't allow that to happen. After the 2.30 News with Randy Kilburn, Albert Camps, the Vice Chairman of Alberta Milk, joins us on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.